what have been some big accomplishments, uh, you know, looking forward, you know, what have you guys been through that you're really proud of? Uh, catering 5,000 at Forbes, 30 yeah. under 30 for one thing. That was a big one. That was fun. I think our, our involvement with Feastival has been pretty great. Yeah, and now years. we're both on the committee for Feastival this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I've so, like suddenly I, I find myself on all these committees, which is kind of cool. Look at you, the committee lady. Yeah. yeah this, this past year, actually, at Feastival, <clears throat> when we were uh, collaborating with, everybody was collaborating with a different uh, restaurant. Um, we had the the privilege to be able to collaborate with uh, Mark Vetri. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so we did a dish was, with him. That was really exciting. Yo, Philly, listen up to all our small business owners. Not just our small business owners, also our entrepreneurs, our creators, our dreamers, our doers. This is Small Business Saturday. Every week we're dropping knowledge about small businesses. Man, you know what? Just listen to the podcast. Man, we try to do a cool intro, but however we promise the podcast, we will be dropping gems, we will be dropping knowledge, we will be dropping the tools you need to succeed in your small business. All right, so every week, every Saturday, stay tuned with Small Business Saturday. Let's get it. All right, everyone, today we have Kiki Aranita and Chris Vaca, who own and operate Poi Dog Philly, a casual counter service restaurant and food cart in Philadelphia. Poi Dog is a pigeon term that refers to the mixed nature of their hybrid Hawaii style food. Their menus are rooted in Hawaiian cuisine, but also draw upon cultures that have heavily influenced the food of Hawaii, such as Filipino, Japanese, and Portuguese. In the six years since Kiki and Chris started Poi Dog, they've catered events from beer festivals to galas taught cooking classes, and traveled around the Philippines learning to make regional specialties from street food vendors. So Kiki and Chris, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks. Thanks for having us. We are glad to have you. Now, I got stuck on this term earlier when we were chatting about it. Pigeon, I was like, all right, first off, what is this term? What's that even mean? Because I think it's like, it has a lot to do with, I guess, the style of food that you guys make. Yeah, so pigeon is just um, a synonym for Creole or Patois. Um, It is... Um, what we speak in Hawaii, if you grew up in Hawaii, uh, Hawaiian Pidgin English is a recognized language now, as of, I think, two years ago. Um, so Hawaiian Pidgin English uh, uses a lot of Hawaiian words, Japanese words, um, Portuguese intonations um, and structure, um, and was basically a, a language necessitated by all of the different immigrant groups that uh, moved to Hawaii a couple hundred years ago to work on its sugarcane plantations um, and they needed to figure out a way to communicate with each other. So uh, Pigeon English developed from that. Just finding like common words and phrases that they could all, I guess, speak? Exactly. Um, and and my grandparents only spoke Pigeon. Um, and so I would speak it to them when I went back uh, to stay with them in the summer in uh, Waipahu, uh, which is an old sugar plantation town. What island is that? Um, on Oahu. Oahu? Yeah. Is that the Oahu. big, that's not the big island. No. The big island's the just big called island's Big Island. island. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Oahu is where Honolulu is, uh, so it's it contains the capital of Hawaii. Um, and, I mean, most of it you could probably figure out um, if you listen closely enough. For example, like if you say, um, like, how's it going to somebody, you would say, how's it? How's it? Yeah. Okay. And, um, Wait, so it's all kind of English rooted too? Uh, yeah, so it's rooted in it's it's pidgin English. Okay. Um, so just as like you would speak uh, Creole in the South, or um, Patois in Jamaica, we have like our own sort of 
um, way of saying things in Hawaii. What are some really interesting ones? Uh, one, well, you were mentioning that you can figure things out pretty much, pretty easily, and that, that's true for the most part. <laughs> uh, the, the one word that jumped to mind that would be problematic for some people was uh, dakain. Dakain, yeah. Dakain. Elaborate on dakain. Um, so, okay, so I'll give two examples. Dakain can refer to absolutely everything or anything, but everybody knows exactly what it's referring to. So just like in Philly. <laughs> just like John. Exactly. <laughs> so like, our, like we have like a t-shirt design that's the John kind grinds, of course grinds is food. Uh. So we just like combined the same word. Um, in pigeon and um, in Philly slang onto one design. So yeah, Dakine and John mean the same thing. Let me get that Dijon. Dijon kind, yeah. So there could be a, a film like in Creed and, and there was a scene in Creed where they, they like sort of belabor this point about like what John is and yeah. they're like, well, that's a John, that's a John. Like it's, it's a really awkward way of doing it. But, right. But it's, yeah, it was funny watching that, but it's a similar situation where if you don't know what this term is, context doesn't always help you. Um, but most of the stuff, like you were mentioning, the context does help you. I mean, most of it is, is, is drawn from English. Yeah, and then, I mean, there are stories behind, like, a lot of the terms that we use, like, like Hanabara days is what you would use to describe, to use, to describe your childhood. And Hanabara um, in Hawaiian pidgin means uh, boogers. So, like, Hanabara days, like, back when you Booger had days. boogers. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't remember off the top of my head right now what because um, there's a microphone pointing in front of me and I'm nervous. <laughs> um, so like Hana is like in like Japanese for like booger or like, I guess booger. Um, but butter is from English butter. Okay. So like the stuff that comes out of like the buttery stuff that comes out of your nose. It's Hanabata really days. gross. Yeah. But it's like, but uh, Hanabara is, yeah. So what we call boogers. So you're born and raised in Hawaii. Uh, no, I was actually born in New York, but okay. just my parents were working there. Like I wasn't like really raised there. Um, but I was raised in Hawaii and in Hong Kong. And in Hong Kong. Yeah. And Chris, how about you? Uh, I was raised in the exotic state of Delaware. Oh, <laughs> nice. Nice. Like close to the ocean or Yeah. No? We call it the 10th island, really, <laughs> honestly. I mean, the 9th nobody island is Vegas. You, nobody calls it all. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But what no, brought you two together then? Uh, we studied at uh, Bryn Mawr for our PhD um, that we, we <laughs> never finished, but we were there for that purpose. That's, yeah. that's where we met in grad school. You, you two met in grad school. Right? Yeah. And so when you met, were you like working on like a class project or anything? Like what brought you together? We then? actually did. I mean, we so did. the PhD program is a really small program there. Yeah, like it's really we, small. I mean, we only had to deal with like, what, like six or seven other people on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. um, and our carols were next, right next to each other. Like we had carols next to each other in the library. Desks. Like desks. <laughs> I was like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. Singing Christmas C A R R E L S. <laughs> but I did put up Christmas de decorations year-round that the librarian eventually told me to take down because it wasn't Christmas. Okay. So you, it was just too tempting to, to, <laughs> to not carols. give up on, on the pun of yeah. Christmas carols. Yeah. <laughs> so you're in a PhD program, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And you're both, you know, I guess, studying something similar. What, what takes you from there to, I guess, starting a business? Like, what's the in-between? So I mean, a lot. <laughs> yeah, there there was there was a lot, but we also had both come from um, uh, master's programs. So we okay. completed a master's. We'd already both been in grad school for. I mean, I'd been like uh, been that would have been my fourth year, I believe. I think you had come off two years of master's. So that three years. Three years. Yeah, because okay. I was a PhD. So then we then we both had three years, uh, and we came into the PhD program and. 
um, were both pretty eager to conclude the, the, our studies. And um, I think part of what got us thinking outside of that sort of narrow pa uh, career path um, towards a uh, future in academ academia <clears throat> was a kind of our frustration with our particular program that we were in, where it was difficult to basically just kind of put your head down and push through and, and finish. Um, and so, I mean, we, we made the, the most of it, like Kiki was alluding earlier, we can maybe loop back to it in a bit, but we, she was alluding to this project that we eventually did as we were growing a little restless yeah. in our studies, but um, that kind of took us out of class. Oh, by the way, we were studying classics. That's what we were in. in Latin uh, Greek. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so <clears throat> we were realizing that this was going to take a little longer than we expected and that we were both, I would I think I can speak for you and say that we both were maybe getting a little bit less enthralled. Well, I mean, I think the <laughs> thing tired that, yeah, I think the I, wait, kicker, I have never used this term before. I think the kicker. Okay. I guess, is that, sure. it, does that I mean, make sense? It's kind of a kicker. Okay. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. All right. Okay. Was um, the, we had spent a summer in Athens with the American School of Classical Studies yeah. um, at Athens, um, basically visiting archaeological digs all over Greece. And it's not something most people do. No, no. and it was, it was extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. It was like incredible. we got we got to do things that I mean most people like probably wouldn't even dream up. Like we climbed the Parthenon. You're not allowed to even touch the Parthenon. Yeah. Um. Or or like approach it like more than like ten meters away or something like that. Um. So we had all these incredible opportunities. Like we went um just like on these amazing like um digs like all over Crete for example. We spent a week in Crete. Um, and at the end of it, it was like so extraordinary. We're like, it's, you know, it's never gonna like get much better than this for us in classics. Like, I think like <laughs> this we've is about reached, it. Yeah, I feel like we've reached like the pinnacle of like being classicists. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and part of it was also just the the dwindling size of uh, classics programs throughout the country is it directly affects your the job pros, job prospects. So. Um, it was like, do we want to keep doing this for another couple of years and then have to go find a job somewhere Basically, else anyway? Basically, we started a food truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Long story short, we started a food truck. Yeah. And, and I mean, we had, we'd both been interested in food and, um, and we, this was kind of co uh, coincided with that food truck boom that had yeah. just come to Philly. And How long ago are we talking? Uh, this would have been 2012. Okay. And... Um, so, we started yeah. in 2013. Though. We started in 2013, yeah. but we we so for instance, I um, at the towards the end of uh, when we were in grad school, I was adjuncting at Villanova, um, okay, uh, teaching a couple classes of Greek there. And while I was doing that, I was also uh, I had a friend who worked on uh, Jose Garcia's food truck, the Guapos Tacos. Yeah. And so there was a couple shifts, and I was like, I got some days or some hours and a couple days that I could spare. So why not do that? And as I did that, and started to kind of see more and more what the what was what was entailed in running a food truck or at least operating one i can do this yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So we yeah. started talking about it and uh -huh. um we and both the, yeah and i was working in uh, jg domestic another garza's establishment yeah um and a guy i knew there was selling his food uh his food cart yeah um and given that so he had this taco cart that he ran on temple's campus um and given that chris's name is chris um, and the taco stand was called Chris's Taco Stand. We took this as a sign from the heavens above. 
Yeah. <laughs> you weren't like, oh, let's keep the taco stand in the name. Yeah. <laughs> we, we talked well, about we it. We talked about the name. Yeah. I mean, it was, if it was called Kiki's Taco Stand, like, absolutely. What had to keep it. What had to keep it. How is this even possible? I think, I think it probably would have taken maybe a week before you crossed out the Chris and put Kiki anyway. So. <laughs> no, I would never do that. Um, but we did keep the same rap and like it was such like a low risk in terms of the startup because it wasn't wasn't a ton of money. Um, we printed out circle stickers to cover up the Chris's Taco Stand logo. Kept the same colors. That's why um, our colors are maroon and like turmeric. Uh, because that was the original wrap of the cart. You didn't sound too thrilled about that. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm no, fine. No, it, yeah, I actually think it worked out really nicely for us. Like, I never would have chosen those colors, but I think I think they worked for us. Yeah, like, actually, that's a that would have been a pretty tough decision too. So I think it took a lot of frustration. Maybe yeah. Out of that. <laughs> so how did we get to the name that you have now? Um, through a lot of agony. Like at first we were thinking. It's always so tough, right? Yeah. yeah. At first we were thinking that it would be. Well, we, at first we wanted our dreams were to start um, a poutine truck. And call it Rasputin. Yeah. Because I'm hilarious. No. First of all, that's not even that's not even your joke. So, I know it's not. So we're getting Canadian into the mix. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, a, it's just just to give credit where credit is due. That's a Jonathan Goldstein joke. It's, uh-huh. it's not. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was the initial thought, and that but that was like a, a that was a discussion that happened over I think like a meal or like a diner or something we were like you know what would be a pretty low uh, low sort of <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah like, like the, the food what's that fries be, and gravy yeah it would be, be like potatoes and, and gravy yeah yeah it would be pretty low food costs and you could kind of turn that out and then as yeah this this kind of idea got into our head and then next thing we knew a year or two later we were thinking about doing this for real but just with Hawaiian food yeah, I'm also like, can you imagine like eating poutine like every day? Oh no! Yeah. Least, like for you guys yourselves, yes. at least. Yeah, I know it'd be huge. It's not. No, it's not a. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very unhealthy. <laughs> so, um, the actual yeah. name, though. So poi dog means mixed breed or mutt, um, and so I am technically a poi dog. Chris also at that time had a poi dog mm-hmm. uh, named Caleb. Um, God he, rest his soul. He went to heaven. Oh, yeah, yeah, like sh- shortly after we opened our restaurant. Uh, so he was the original Poi Dog. Um, so it was like a name of like many layered meanings and um, honestly speaks to the style of our food. Like it's a hybrid of all the different things, all the different cuisines and cultures um, that came to Hawaii. Uh, there used to be dogs that ate Poi, um, but the term has since evolved um, to mean mixed breed or mutt. Do either of you have a culinary background? No. Just figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> not a for- we have no formal training, no. So what's that like starting a food business then with no culinary background? It's just like, hey, this is kind of like, this tastes good. Let's you know mess around with this. Or is there a certain way to go about it? Uh, I mean, to a certain extent, there was some of that. But uh, we both, like Kiki was mentioning, her um, working uh, in a restaurant right before we opened. And... Like we both worked at different restaurants over the years. Like so there's some culinary students. background, yeah. Yes, but but nothing like we, we were never trained in a kitchen in the traditional sense of where you know you start out as the line cook and then you, yeah. you know, get bumped up to eventually you get to sue and then chef de cuisine, whatever, executive chef, that sort of stuff. Right. We never did that. Um, but we were familiar with how smaller kitchens operated and um, we both liked to cook. Um, so we did that on a relatively small scale. And then, like Kiki was mentioning, the first step was uh, a food truck that was not terribly daunting because it was small. It was right. a small operation. And 
Um, we were only making like four or five things. Yeah, we weren't making a lot of food. The, the food truck is uh, four by eight. So it's a tiny little space. Yeah. Yeah. So What's it on the inside? Two by three-ish. And you have how many? Two people in there? Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So people. we couldn't hire anybody tall. No. Mm-hmm. You get to see a lot of each other, huh? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on, uh, what do they say? On your six or something? Like when you're behind someone with the hot food or, you know, in the kitchen? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're I'm just always on each other's six. Yes. <laughs> um, but so, yeah. So we... we we progressed relatively slowly through what we were doing and we knew that, I mean, Kiki grew up eating a lot of this food. Um, and at this point before we started, I had probably been there already at least three times or something. Yeah. So we both knew what we wanted to do and what we wanted to produce. And it was a matter of getting some menu items together and then slowly adding. And then mm-hmm. the more we prepared them, the better we got. And then eventually the food truck grew and then we, Moved into a restaurant yeah. two years ago. There's a big gap there. What so? What are some of the first things you did when starting the business? We went to Wharton. Um, well, and, well. <laughs> wait, hang on. The Wharton, sorry, the Wharton Small Business Developments um, Center. Yes, is that still around? Yeah, yes, uh, yeah, it is. Okay, yeah. and um, basically took classes there for a year. Yes, yeah. Yes, we, they have a, a wonderful program, the SBDC, that they provide to small business owners who are looking to um, you know, start a business, and is, we took advantage of Is this. that like free? You have to pay for that? How does that work? You, you have, have to pay, pay for it. Like, yeah. Not a lot of money, though. Like no, a it's, dollars. Yeah, they make it so it's affordable, and it works around your schedule. I think the, the last one we did was over like eight or ten weeks, mm-hmm. and it was in the evenings and that sort of thing. So Taught us how to like spreadsheet. Yeah, the basics, the nuts and bolts of running a business. Um, and formulating a business plan um, that was like an actual business plan, not just an, an, an Something idea. Something napkin. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is, uh, it's you'd be surprised how how often that is the case. Right. Yeah. Let's just people, do something. Yeah. Yes. I've had friends like show me their business plans. I'm like, this is not. This, not, yeah. this is extremely not a business plan. Mm-hmm. I never had one for, for either of my companies, too. And then... Um, have you guys heard of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses? I think so. You should definitely check it out. I okay. just went through it this past summer. It's They do like different cohorts of small businesses, and there's the Philadelphia cohorts. And they run It's like a four-month program, but it's almost like an intensive MBA mm-hmm. where you have to put together basically like a growth plan, and you use your existing business. So you have to apply and like have to be in business a certain amount of time, doing a certain amount of revenue, a certain amount of employees. Sure. And it's, it's actually really legit, but I was like, whoa, I didn't do any of this. <laughs> I was like, I guess I should have when I started. But no, that, that's that's really cool. So you went through this program, sort of like a small business accelerator with Warren's SBDC. Mm-hmm. And did you have to like take out a loan? Like, were there a lot of upfront costs? You know, what did that look like? I mean, we started with $17,000. Okay. That is fine. It's more than, I guess, a lot to start with, so... Yeah, I mean these these were our startup costs, and when we is that mostly for like food truck? Yeah, Yeah. like the actual food truck, Um, because we took over um, another small business, and it kind of came with everything, like pots and pans, like literally like everything we needed. Yeah, it was as close to turnkey as we could get. That's perfect. Um, So we just needed to get the uh, paperwork done, you know, licenses and everything, and um, and then it was after that it was a matter of just doing enough business to sustain us. To and that 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 sort of st- that 
started to feed itself pretty quickly. Yeah. Are there there's certain like licenses and registrations Tons. you need for food carts? Yeah. What's and, that? And, and uh, I mean, you obviously you need a business license, you need a food prep license, um, food prep slash caterer license. Uh, for us, we needed sidewalk sales because we're a trailer. Um, and depending on where we would, where, I mean, we're considered a roamer um, by the health department here. Uh, so considering like where we would take the truck, we would sometimes have to get licensed in different counties. Going from county to county, you have to be licensed in like every single county that you vent in. Um, and so that's probably like time, money, and an application, or like what else involved? With yeah, that? an application inspection. Um, the health department has changed it pretty much every year that we've been in, in existence. Um, exactly like how the inspections go, like whether you take the the cart or truck or whatever to um, the health department itself, or have them come out, or have them come out, and you take it. Like it's um, the regulations have shifted um, from year to year. But we're sort of in the middle of the process right now. We just had the restaurant um, inspected last week mm -hmm. and I am very very pleased with the entire staff about that um, the inspector basically said that it was one of the easiest inspections that he's ever done because we are super obsessively insanely clean do, do people know when inspectors are coming through like health or food inspectors no, uh, well, no. not for restaurants, not for restaurants. yeah for restaurants they're just popping in on Wednesday you know hey well so it, they're annual inspections unless there's a complaint made to the health department by a customer yeah if there's a complaint made they have to come out no matter what but otherwise it's an annual inspection it's usually around the same time of year but it's that could be a, like a two month window or something so you don't know exactly yeah. um, and with truck inspections we we're really good at inspections because we trucks have to be inspected at every event like every event that's registered with the health department like there are there are times that i think our record is like getting inspected by the health department like four times in one week because we do so many events so we we like know our health inspectors like on a first name basis um, we can like rattle off like foodborne illnesses like we i typically carry a thermometer in my purse like i we're really obsessive about that stuff <laughs> what about all these food card vendors on the street? What about them? Are they all like, they have to do all these inspections too? Because I feel like every time I eat one of these food carts, like my stomach doesn't like it. <laughs> well, I mean, that might just be a quality of product issue. <laughs> I don't know. I can't speak to what exactly they're serving you, but uh, they are they are subject to the exact same uh, regulations. They are, okay. Yeah, they but, are. Not, but a lot of them don't do events. They don't do the events. So they don't need it as much. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So in that case, if you're setting up on, say, like 18th and JFK or mm -hmm. I don't know, whatever, and you're there every single day and that's all you ever do, then you might get somebody stop in once in a while, but for the most part, you're only really obliged to get that one annual inspection. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I guess one of my questions about being a food cart that goes to events, because they're, they're a big thing, or at least they have been in the last couple of years, how do you know about all the events going on? How do you like get involved with them? Um, I mean, after the first year, like we, so we were, we got popular, like basically right away. And the first year I reached out to event organizers here and there. Um, but since then, like they come to me, I don't apply for, um, events. Like everybody approaches me. How? Email? Email. Or? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just tell them to email me. And... What were some of the first ones that you got involved with that you got some popularity? Night Market. Yeah, that was one um, of the first ones. Clover Market, which we've done pretty much since 
our beginnings. Uh, Clover Market is a roving vintage uh, market that's primarily, well, it's in Bryn Mawr, uh, now it's in Kennett Square. Um, well, there, Second Street yeah. Festival, which is mm-hmm. right out here. Uh-huh. We've done that for several years. That's our biggest one of the year because it's like 10 hours it's long. It's super long, it's yeah. brutal. <laughs> yeah, and it's usually very hot It's because it's in August. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, that's a... That's always a popular one. Yeah, and uh, we've been at the Head House Farmer's Market um, less these days, but we were there from the beginning, from our beginnings again. We used to go to the Man. Yeah, to the Man Center. Really? Until they changed over um, how they were managing their uh, uh, concessions inside the... So they switched from Wolfgang Puck to, I guess, Aramark now. Um, and so when, when it was Wolfgang Puck, uh, we would, yeah, we saw a lot of concerts from a food truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. some good. Some <laughs> you're making money yeah. while you're at a concert. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Every now and then there'll be like one that we really liked. Yeah. So you guys have been in business what five, six years? Six years, but we technically have two businesses. Oh, so the because tr- the restaurant. Yeah, okay. so the restaurant is a separate business from the food truck slash catering business. But yeah, we've been doing business as Poi Dog for uh, yeah six years. Six years. Yep. Yeah, and the just yeah it's like our our sixth year anniversary like congrats thanks. thanks so did they have the same name then yeah uh, we oh, do well, business as the dba yeah, yeah. okay mm-hmm. and the, they're both like llc's i guess or yeah, yeah. yep that's pretty good so what's it like being in i guess the food cart slash catering business because hasn't it gotten a lot more competitive or is that just a fallacy um, the truck side has definitely gotten a lot more competitive and interest in food trucks in Philadelphia has waned. Um, tr- there are tons of trucks now and, um, sort of less attendance to like night markets, um, and sort of street fairs in general, I think, unless there's like a lot of beer that <laughs> typically drink, brings people out. Right. Um, so yeah, like, so in, in that sense, we've scaled back. I mean, we don't do regular vending with a truck at all anymore um at the same time it's still like a really affordable option for people to get um catering at their weddings so that's it's been really popular for weddings um uh, okay well basically if you're getting married (laughs) outside (laughs) please consider poi dog at your wedding (laughs) we can accommodate parties of up to 500 people (laughs) fill out the form at poidogphilly.com that's p-o-i-d-o-g philly that's a lot of people. You didn't uh, do 500 we people? did five thousand for Forbes. What? Yeah, I mean, we were one of a few yeah. vendors at that event, but yeah, I mean, we were, we were. When Forbes was in Philly. It's like how many yeah. pounds of food can you fit in a food truck? Uh, it's like you have a backup for okay. it to yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we, I mean, you you can have a bunch of auxiliary like cold spaces that you bring along with you, so you can store plenty of food. Bring me to understanding the restaurant side there, because I know it's a a big, I think it's a big leap mm-hmm. going from a food truck to a restaurant because of all the different intricacies. Uh, yeah. So, um, what I mean, what in particular were you interested in? I guess because now you have to worry about getting commercial space. You got to sure. worry about like different insurances and so just, okay, so just the whole thing, and, like yeah. staff and a lot. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lot more involved operation for sure. Um, one thing right off the bat 
just the uh, overhead is just a lot higher, right. and, it's, and it's constant. It's like constant. It's, it never stops. It's like we can truck, do this event when we want. Yes, right. exactly. When the when the food truck is out, yeah, you you have some operating costs, um, including, of course, staffing and and what it takes, what it costs to actually run the truck while it's out. Mm-hmm. Um, these things, when the food truck is parked in our uh, commissary, it is none of well, very few of those costs are actually are uh, persisting. So for instance, you know, the commissary rent and some utilities and whatever, but you're not staffing every single, well, six days a week, uh, six and a half days a week. You're not running utilities on a, on a commercial space all those days. Um, So that was a challenge for us because we had to start making sure that, you know, revenue was balancing these things out. Right. Um, And luckily for us, we didn't start a restaurant with no uh, customer base whatsoever. Most of our customer base, actually, our regular customer base was from our business that we did in Center City already okay. at um, Love Park and City Hall. Gotcha. We, were, we were there just about once a week, maybe, yeah. for the last year of operating the food truck uh, regularly. And a lot of that business translated over to our 21st Street location because 21st and Chestnut Street's not that much farther away from a lot of those uh, office buildings uh, than uh, Love Park is. Um, so that helped. So we weren't starting from nothing. How did you pick the location? It picked us. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like the other trucks. It sort picked of us. They I've never seen an address with a .5. Oh, yeah. it is so annoying getting mail. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like 101, 100, are they sure it's .5? Yeah, it's yeah, so annoying it's getting mail. 100.5 South 21st Street. Between Chestnut and Tensum. Ah. Open six days a week, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Your subtlety is <laughs> too much to handle at times. And so you've been there for how long? Uh, almost two years. Yeah, March Congrats. 22nd will be our um, second birthday. From tomorrow, yeah. So what would you say makes your guys' business really unique, other than the cool name and backstory? Um, I mean, our food, of course. That's a great place. <laughs> Uh, we're the only um, restaurant in Philadelphia that's that's offering uh, local uh, Hawaiian food. Um, and Kiki, do you want to talk about what I mean when I say local food? Yeah, so local food is different from Hawaiian food. Um, Hawaiian food is well the food of the Hawaiians and it's its own cuisine. Many there's a lot of crossover between Hawaiian food and local food. Um, and for example, but like local food is very much um, coming out of uh, the sugar plantation era, um, and it's a, a mix like a mashup of like all these different cultures coming together and cooking together. Just like pidgin English is a mashup of um, all these cultures trying to communicate with one another. Um, so typical local things are we eat uh, rice with mac salad. Uh, that is a plate lunch. It doesn't refer to the time of day that you're consuming. Um, the plate lunch, um, it is always like this holy trinity of two scoops of rice, one scoop of mac salad, and at least one meat entree. Um, and that's like the cornerstone of our menu at the restaurant. Um, there's what, a, what's your favorite? What's your favorite dish that you have? Uh, I love our poke. I, um, we always bring in fresh fish every single day. Uh, we use extremely high quality fish um, and break it down like in store, uh, which I think sets us apart from um, 
restaurants, perhaps like jumping in on the poke trend. Uh, we don't overdress the poke ever. Uh, we really want the actual flavor of the fish to shine. Um, and we use uh, salt that I bring in my suitcase back from Hawaii every time I go and visit. Um, seaweed that I do exactly the same thing to. Um, there's a seaweed that we use um, on our tofu poke that is called, um, well, it's ogonori. Uh, so it's a purple feathery seaweed uh, that you can, can only find in Hawaii. And I basically um, either find it freeze-dried and bring it back or I freeze it myself there um, and bring it back to Philly. Would you say it's more of like a, a lunch spot or a dinner spot, sit down, fast? Both. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, there's sit down, it can be fast, especially if you get the poke. We're pretty fast with the poke. Um, but yeah, it's re it's always packed at lunch um, and uh, we do a ton of delivery. We cater for Penn a lot as well, um, which is pretty close by. And yeah, we basically, the restaurant like suits like many different people's needs. Um, and then we have the catering portion of our business, of course, that can um, do things that approach fine dining. And how do you market the business? Because I know there's a lot of restaurants, especially in like Center City area, but you guys, are, are you street visible so people can see when they walk by too? Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. definitely street visible. Uh, um, and we, we do get some exposure just from being in a, a place where there's a decent amount of foot traffic. Mm -hmm. um, I will notice still even now after we've been there for two years, people will walk past and look up and be like, and you see the expression on their face. They're like, what is this place? And it's like, we've been here for two years. Where have you been? <laughs> yeah. um, so we do get some of that, but I would say most of our marketing comes from a, Instagram. Yeah. A lot of social media stuff yeah. that, that Kiki's really great at. What's your Instagram? P-O-I-D-O-G Philly. That's easy. And you guys are on social, like Facebook and yeah. it's mostly uh -huh. Facebook and, and Instagram. Well, so Instagram is to reach most of the people. Facebook is to reach a slightly older, more mature audience. <laughs> you can put like events <laughs> and stuff on there too. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we do events. We do tons of collaborations. Um, probably like the most fun one we did most uh, recently was with uh, Mission Taqueria. Um, on Sansom Street. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, like um, we basically t do tons of collaborations. I love them. Um, yeah. And doing cooking classes at uh, Audrey Claire Cook in Rittenhouse. Uh, we've been doing that since we first started. Um, we've done more educational type classes at the at Free the Library. Library. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just being really involved in the community, um, I think is the main form of marketing, but we also, I'm like very proud that we've never paid anything for marketing at all. Really? That's Yeah, good. I've never even like paid for like a sponsored Facebook post. Wow. Not even like a print in, you know, local flyers nope. or something. Mm -mm. Yeah, that's actually one of our policies. No money. <laughs> we'll not pay. <laughs> we do require all of our employees to get tattoos. <laughs> no, you do not. Yeah. <laughs> no, you do so not. They're, they're walking advertisements. <laughs> yeah. That. He's joking, man. <laughs> yes. Let's leave. Let's but leave. I do dress up my dog as a spam wasabi and like, I'll do that. <laughs> She's really cute. What um, what have been some of your biggest setbacks since starting the companies? Oh, the first year was that polar vortex. 
Mm. When was that? 20, uh, that would have been 2014. Mm. The, I think the yeah, January first winter, of 2014. Uh-huh. Yeah, weather is like a killer. Um, I mean, yes, absolutely for restaurants because people aren't going to come outside and get to you, but even more so for a, a food truck. Because um, you won't go outside to operate yeah, at all. Yeah, right? I'm not going, at least not restaurants happening. you can operate and, and deliver, you know? I mean, there's at least that, that option, but yeah. Did it like shut down the city? People weren't doing anything. Yeah, however, this particular winter we were... We were pretty ideally situated. Yeah, so um, I had uh, friends in Hawaii who were closing their restaurant. Um, and it was a restaurant that welcomed um, visiting chefs. So we set up uh, for a month in Hawaii um, and basically ran a series of like pop-up dinners there. Came back and all our pipes had burst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we basically took most of <laughs> most of the money that we made. In yeah, the we made a lot of money. Came back over. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What have been some big accomplishments? In, you know, looking forward. You know, what have you guys been through that you're really proud of? Uh, catering five thousand at Forbes, thirty yeah. under thirty for one thing. That was a big one. That was fun. I think our. Our involvement with Feastival has been pretty great. Yeah, and now we're both on the committee for Feastival this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I've so, like suddenly I, I find myself on all these committees, which is kind of cool. Look at you, the committee lady. Yeah. yeah this, this past year, actually, at Feastival, <clears throat> when we were uh, collaborating with, everybody was collaborating with a different uh, and they were restaurant. Signed. Um, we had the, the privilege to be able to collaborate with uh, Mark Vetri. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so we did a dish was, with him. That was really exciting. Um, I, I mean, Chris is not Asian. I am. So um, NBC recognized me as um, like the entrepreneurial Asian last year. And they say so they do like an A to Z list. So that got a ton of press on Today Show and stuff like that. That's amazing. How does yeah. that come about? Uh, they approached me. What? Mm-hmm. You're doing something right when that happens, jeez. Uh, yeah, so like stuff like that, and um, and then like on the there's also like the end that like nobody sees that like the friends that we've made, and I think that those are probably the most extraordinary accomplishments. Um, the people that we are privileged to work with. Yeah, I was gonna say I think one of our 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 the thing that that we're most proud of and that we find most rewarding is the the staff that that has grown up around this restaurant it's been really amazing to work with the folks that we do um kiki was just mentioning uh how how proud and happy she was with them this past week when we had worked like completely like usually we have a little bit of time to get ahead of this sort of annual inspection thing and we had planned on having a big staff discussion about it that week and the inspector came in the day before the day the meeting was scheduled the day the meeting was scheduled. (laughs) yeah and so we hadn't been able to curveball yes we hadn't been able to basically remind everybody all the things that they should already know and they do but so we hadn't been able to have that conversation and he came in and we passed like colors yeah so so we were had an occasion to make sure that we recognized them and and thank them for all that yeah. But um but yeah, I mean the we're so fortunate to have the this the special group of, of uh team members that we have that have honestly just we they kinda came to us looking for uh jobs and And like a lot of the ones who started with us are still with us. Yeah. Wow. And they've That's like big. moved up from like dish to like managers now. Like I'm so like oh we had, like this kid Ariel. <laughs> Sorry, I guess he's still a kid, right? 
He's not definitely not a kid. Not okay. <laughs> okay. Wait, 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 to us. Just, just, just to us. Wait, hang on. Just to be clear, we do not employ children at our restaurant. <laughs> we are not violating any child labor laws. Um, he, um, he's, yeah. a, he's a he's a young man. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. Um, but yeah, like he's been absolutely amazing. Um, he started as a dishwasher with absolutely no dishwashing experience. Um, and now, like, just also, like, does, like, all our design, like, like, just, like, illustrates, like, all of our flyers and menus, um, and is, like, our AM uh, shift manager, um, and just really does an amazing job. Devante, um, who is our PM manager, uh, just, like, I can't say enough nice things about that guy. They're all wonderful. We can't name them all, unfortunately. But it's just, it's so nice to see that Kiki and I were very deliberate when we started this especially the restaurant about the culture that we wanted in the restaurant yeah it's big yeah and it's it's so nice to see people like basically bringing exactly what we had in mind to life yeah it's just it's like you you can't do that on your own you know you need other people to do it you're lucky i mean that's one of the things that people talk about the most as far as small business owners is like finding and keeping good people Mm -hmm. so that that's definitely a blessing what would you say the hardest thing about being a small business owner is or has been? I think the demands on on your basically everything on yourself, on your personal like time, energy, you know, you're worrying like even when you're not there and you're not physically doing something in you the can't restaurant. Turn your brain off. You can't. And I think that again, this will uh this was made a little bit more bearable by the way we entered the restaurant by like I, we mentioned before doing taking small steps through the the um, food truck kind of prepared us for this so we didn't go in and all of a sudden get you know blindsided by this but it's still it's so much I mean it's it's anybody who's a small business owner will tell you you know it's there's one of the greatest things in the world is being your own boss right but it's also one of the most demanding things in the world um, a lot of people don't know that going in. They're just like, this, this, this is going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah, because anytime anything goes wrong, it's, I mean, some people are Nobody there, some people are off, but you're always, yeah, you're always there, you're all, or you're always responsible. Um, what is the best thing about being a small business owner? Having a really good staff. I know we just talked about that, so I won't go on and on, but yeah, that's absolutely the best thing. Um, I think another great thing about this is more specific to being a small business owner in Philadelphia is the community of small business owners in this city is really remarkable. Um, I, I think we're we're situated so that it, the city is large enough to um, to be able to have you know have enough um, people here and enough uh, a market a large enough market for there to be you know for all of us to survive yeah but also small enough for us to be a pretty tight-knit community which is not very common no i mean there's there's other places where you can go and there's plenty of people you know but you're drowned in a sea of competitors and yeah honestly I i feel like kiki you and i have talked about this before where we don't really like the people that we are or the people the businesses that we are probably in most would traditionally be conceived of as being in most direct competition. I don't really see a lot of these people as competitors. It's more of um, like fellow biz, small business owners, you know? Um, people that we can complain about things to on a daily basis. <laughs> sure. <laughs> how are you meeting board? these small business owners? Like how do you meet them and, and work with them? Or are you like part of like a, 
organization or chamber? I mean, you're probably part of many things that like you said earlier. <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes, I mean, a lot of them actually, like, a lot of the friendships came out of events because events, like, are stressful, you know? And then you're working together, like, in a different space and everybody's just, like, um, dealing with the same problems. And I think we, we got a lot of friends out of that because we were, like, on equal footing. And then we're like, hey, let's take this friendship beyond this event. And um, now I have, like, multiple WhatsApp groups of, like, of that are like sounding boards um for like whether we need like like a water heater fixed or oh, something no. there's just like i mean and there i mean we're you know we just, we complain about that stuff and like talk about um how to make each of our businesses better how to help each other how to work together um and how cute all of our dogs really are <laughs> do you have like a dog group like a dog walking small business group <laughs> kind of yeah <laughs> It's like oh. a meetup. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably a topic for a different podcast. <laughs> um, also, if anybody needs a dog model, Coconut Aranita okay. is available. That's she's her name. Really cute. Yeah. yeah. What kind of dog? Um, she's a Chihuahua that doesn't look like a Chihuahua. She looks like. Does a she angel. have her on Instagram? Oh yeah, of course, Coconut Aranita. C O C O N U T A R A N I. Chris is like, here we go. Aranita. A R A. Alright, let's see. Oh, yeah, she doesn't look like a chihuahua. Okay. No. And, and, yeah. All the sweaters. I, I really appreciate <laughs> Yeah, she's even appeared on Poi Dog advertising. She's um, not a morning person for no. everybody listening. <laughs> she's not. <yeah. laughs> oh, well, I need to. I wish I, I wish I had time for a dog too, but does she come into work? Can you bring her to work? No, no. <laughs> no, but um, when the food truck is out at events sometimes um, and I'm not working the truck, I will bring her by. Um, and it makes us a lot more tips. Tip, tips for Coco. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are your plans or next steps? You know, what's next for, for Poidog? Uh, I think we're always um, looking to grow the catering business. Um, and we've had success uh, since we've opened the restaurant and doing exactly that. Each, uh, when we first opened, we just had a capacity that we'd never had before, which was great. Um, uh, partly due to the space that we had and to the staff. We just had a lot more hands and you know, a lot more, you know, like I said, space to uh, prepare all these things. And then in this, this past year, we took a, a, a um, different approach to basically marketing um, some of our catering offerings, and that has grown in addition. Um, yes, to so we space. do pan catering um, that you can pick up or get delivered. Um, we will set up, you know, at a food truck um, at your backyard wedding. Uh, we do corporate luau's. That is actually a thing. Uh, we pull the truck up to offices. Um, and we cater for offices like within, like inside the offices. Uh, we can also do coursed menus um, if you want us to cook out of a commercial kitchen or something like that. Or we've even done it out of like people's like home kitchens uh, for special events. Um, yeah, catering form, poidogphilly.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> last, last thing. So I was going to ask where we can find you online, but we kind of went over that with social media and yeah. boydogphilly.com. Again, it's boydogphilly.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I used to do voiceovers. <laughs> I'm more curious for people listening who might want to start a restaurant or get mm -hmm. in the food business. What advice do you have for them? 
don't. Don't do it. Yeah, that's I was I was anticipating. Do something else. Yeah. That's a pretty easy response, and it's I would say a genuine response. It's it's I think if you say don't to somebody and they say too bad, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna do it anyway. Then you're probably in a position like you have the right attitude. Like okay. you know, you're gonna say I'm gonna do this. I would say do it do it intelligently. You know, approach it like we were talking earlier in the conversation. Put some thought into it before just jumping in. Like you need that passion that says you're not going to tell me I can't do this. Right. But you also you'll make your life so much easier if you take the steps to think about things in a systematic way. Approach it like you're starting a business because yeah. that's exactly what you're doing. You're not opening a kitchen where you're having friends over to try your newest barbecue recipe. It's a, you're opening a business. Can't be half-hearted with it. Exactly. Do your research. Yeah. Um, work like if you're opening a food truck work on a food truck first if you're opening a restaurant yes get paid to yeah. learn the business yeah if you can and like it's shocking to me how like there i meet so many people who don't do this where they get into their heads or uh gosh when that movie chef came out everybody was oh <laughs> like wanted the amount of time, like i had to we fielded questions from like hundreds of people like our obviously like our family and friends um, people online like starting being like, so did you watch that movie? Chef? It was, yeah. Is it like the re- is it like reality? No, starting a food truck is not a montage where you just like quickly get a, a broken down truck outfitted so that it can go on the road. No, it's not like that. Unfortunately, it sounds way too difficult for me to even want to consider. So yeah. no worries on my yeah. side. Watching that movie was like traumatic for both of us. <laughs> PTSD. Yeah. Uh, I guess just to round out the episode, one of the last questions I like to ask is what questions do you actually have for me around uh, just a little backstory? So we run Momentum Digital. It's a digital marketing company. My background's at Google. Anything like Google ads, SEO, digital marketing related. Now is when I field those questions. And it's mostly for you, but also for listeners who might have some similar questions. So if you each have one, maybe um, something related to what you guys are trying to do. How do you personally like beat the algorithms for seo uh seo instagram uh facebook how do you like rise above and get people to see your posts the one thing uh delilah who's the co-host and i usually say about instagram i've actually been posting a lot less Mm -hmm. and i just i wait to have really good posts for instagram specifically um what i do is a lot of people are just using their stories a lot more so posting stories yeah and just actually like using a lot of manual engagement and then only posting to a post whenever it's something really good that you think people want to see. So like putting yourself in the user's shoes. Uh, it, the social algorithms are all really the same. It is Content is always going to win. So whatever's really engaging or eye-catching that people want to see. For you guys, I do like you know, mostly really elegant food pictures or, you know, the dog, you know, coconut <laughs> next to some food, something like that. But, you know, a lot of these, you know, platforms are pay to play now. So if you yeah. want to really reach mm-hmm. a lot more, unfortunately. As far as SEO, that's a longer conversation, but SEO is still relevant for, for restaurants and those businesses. What I'd say is don't even worry about your website as much as your, your local listing, specifically on Google with Google My Business. And really for that, I just... Set yourself a reminder literally every like once a week, every Monday to say, hey, post the same pictures that I posted on Instagram right to Google. Google my business. Mm-hmm. Make sure to get like a 360 virtual tour. They're, they're pretty cheap, but it's like do all the latest, newest things that Google's pushing just like any social platform would. 
because you can do posts there now. You can do like, hey, buy one, get one Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, also, really push people for reviews. Say, hey, I'll give you extra toppings on this if you write us a five-star review. Mm-hmm. So those things, you'll rank higher above your competitors. So if they're searching for like, you know, lunch near me or sushi yeah. or, you know, anything related to terms you guys want to show up for. That's a good answer. That is a good well, answer. <laughs> this has been a blessing. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Thanks. So everybody, Poi Dog Philly.